Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Well, hello there. My name is Craig Fitzpatrick. This is No Encore on the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Returned from a week off. I'm ready to bring sexy back. Are more specifically unsexy back. Um, I'll explain that a little more when we get to the top five. Yeah, so welcome to, I guess, Club No Encore. Um, drinks are free this week. And it's, it's ladies night in the sense that in like that rural nightclub sense that there's, there's no women here. It's just myself. It's our benevolent, silent presence that is Sonic Architect Adam. And also, who's that in the co-host seat? It's guest co-host Mark O'Brien. Welcome, sir. Yo, what's Woo! going on? Pleasure to be the, here at long The sound last. of one man clapping. Yeah, it's been a while in the making. Um, you're coming off the subs bench. Uh, long time friend of the show. Um, listeners might know you as Royal Yellow um, and previously from Enemies. But how are things, dude? Thanks for doing it. Good, man. Yeah, really good. Uh, yeah, long time listener, first time co-host. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, things are good. It's busy. It's a busy month. September is very much done, actually. I was just about to talk about it in the present tense, but it's it's past. Oh, we're yeah. October. Today is actually it, it's Green Day for all those irritating people on Twitter that are saying, "Oh, someone wake up, Billy Joe." Um, that was today. Oh, September has yeah. oh, ended. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awful it's a meme good meme. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's October. It's spooky season's upon us, Craig. I mean, spooky season and sexy season because of this episode <laughs> um, yeah, do you want to tell do you want to tell the listeners what we got well you're up? kind of responsible for this so um yeah our album this week is um sufian stevens the return uh he's back with his eighth album the ascension um 
Mark had initially put forward the idea of transcendental songs um, to kind of tie in with the high-mindedness of Sufian. Um, but he also said, you know what, I've been listening to a lot of 90s R&B. We could go sexy. And um, I think it was a Sunday afternoon. We were both wading through the 80-minute album. And mm-hmm. we thought, hmm, maybe we need to lighten the mood a little. Get sexy. Yes. It's not really connected to Sufian, but uh, I don't know. He's got some sensual it's, tunes. There's that one about the murderous clown. The furthest, <laughs> I would say probably the furthest theme from anything in Sufian's catalogue. Uh, the man is the man has many talents. Uh, he is he paints with many colours. I don't know if sexy is one of his uh, brightest colours that features That's in fair. his catalogue. But, uh, and I don't know if I want to hear a sexy Sufian song, to be honest, but... Uh, yeah, I, it did. We'll get to the album later. It is long. It is dense. It definitely made me sort of yearn for a little bit of levity and flirtatiousness. And yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I love sexy tunes. I, <laughs> I, I, I was really glad that you guys haven't done it. It's a, it's a genre. <laughs> it is a genre that's very close to my heart. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into it. I'm, I'm particularly looking forward to hearing what you have to say about the worst, because that is, I feel, going to be far more important to discussion. Yeah, so I'm I'm doing top five least sexy, sexy tunes. Um, you'll be handling the sexiness. Very hyped mm-hmm. for that. I was going to say I'm kind of, kind of like surprised that you were so into that kind of music, but then shouldn't really have been i mean you've you've um dabbled with saxophones on tracks previously and you know this is very much your milieu um but yeah the, the top five selections with guest hosts are always quite revealing uh we had Fanula jones on recently enough when dave was also off and she she broke the news that she was very into songs about phone calls and also songs mm-hmm. about whistles so yeah everyone's got their little peccadillos is that a term predilections yeah, we'll go with that. kinks um, fetishes in the, spirit I should, of, in the spirit of this episode yeah for sure i should also mentioning dave uh, if people are wondering where he is he's taking much deserved week off as i did last week um last week's episode was great thanks again to zara hederman for joining dave um the top five in particular songs um in ads was particularly great um and it inspired me after listening to us to yeah whip yeah, up a full time. playlist uh so there's a 40 strong uh song playlist of songs and ads if you're uh, a patron to our patreon that's patreon.com forward slash no encore you can check that out now it's good fun um I really enjoyed doing it. So check that out. Also, Dave has been busy. Um, there's another episode out right now with Pillow Queens. Uh, they've just released their debut album, The Terrific In Waiting. And yes. we go deep on that album. So very much check that out after this very episode. So, yeah, yeah I mean... Yeah. I actually checked that out earlier on today and it was fascinating. And so, just so wonderful to hear them finally arrive at that point. Uh, I know. I, I, rent, I rent a studio that's literally above their rehearsal room oh wow for the last two years i've just sort of heard that album in the making on a constant loop and it's just amazing to sort of hear it now in this like incredible fidelity like it's so well produced um and just to hear the stories behind those tracks and and the level of kind of thought and planning and time that went into it it's it's really nice it's a real feel-good sort of triumph story in a time of uh of sheer existential dread so yeah big up (laughs) (laughs) for sure do you feel inspired to get motoring on your own um full-length release uh is there royal yellow stuff in the works obviously we got may the first um earlier this year 
summertime. Yeah. Great tune. Um, does, Thanks, is bro. there gigs planned for 2021? Like, it's, it's kind of up in the air, but I remember seeing you on Twitter being like, there's stuff to, you know, to hope for and long for. Yeah. There's a small socially distanced tour in the works for early next year. Um, nice. But again, like every day is just like a, a constant moving of goalposts and you really are just sort of like booking shows in the hope that they will and can happen but also you know doing it fully in the knowledge that this might not and that you might just have to push it back by five months so i I, at the time i figured february is far enough away that we can do like 50 cap shows um i know that that's happening across a lot of the country at the moment so things are looking good but at the same time who fucking knows um i was just saying to adam there in in the kind of preamble that i've done an ep recently as well which is like it's like 25 minutes of tracks so i guess it could be an album but it's okay. three tunes, so so let's call it an EP. Um, and that is, yeah, again, I, that's probably going to come out next year as well. I, I was saying to I was saying to Adam there that like you've got this, you know, it's very live, so you're sort of going, oh, when is a good time to put this out? <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. It still seems like we're a long way away from gigs, but I'm excited about it. I'm really happy with the the tunes, and yeah, that'll be coming sometime. <laughs> Speaking of things coming sometime, um, I'm not onto the, the sexiness again. I'm actually talking about <laughs> a very exciting time in my life last week and my week off when I, I took delivery of a long-awaited release from Mr. J. Paul. Um, long-time listeners oh, of yes. the show will know I've got a problem. Um, it's the J. Paul problem. The problem is he doesn't release stuff um, quite regularly enough, if at all. Um and even when he's got stuff out to sell, it takes uh, over a year to arrive. I finally got the Jasmine vinyl mark. Yes, it have you was. Got it there? Have you got it there to do us a little kind of like fashion show oh. with your with your Joy Paul record? I think it's I actually this is downstairs. Audio medium, is it so downstairs be... or hold on one second? I think I've got a box of vinyl nearby, and it might be there. I know this is like an audio medium, so it's going to be completely unremarkable for. Anyone? What is I know, it? right? The three of us that are currently. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if I stored it away as yet. Let's just see. Could be it's here. In your joy vault. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's downstairs. Damn it! But I will say, Shit. I will say. Um, so, um, a bit of a mess in terms of the rollout. It must be said, even as a diehard J fan. And um, yeah, it finally turned up. As people, I was one of the lucky ones. I got I got two copies, both of which are downstairs. Um, and both were totally fine. But I saw a lot of people online saying they arrived kind of warped and it wasn't oh, the shit. ideal thing. There's no inner sleeves with them either, which is kind of like weird for something that costs 20 quid. I can confirm that like Jay spent all of that time uh, allegedly, purportedly, trying to infuse the scent of jasmine petals into the vinyl. And having sniffed one, kind of a faint hint of it. Yeah. <laughs> totally worth it. Um, they take that out in customs. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, uh, but yeah. The music was worth it, though. The edit, there's a new vocal on it. The, it's actually quite different. Um, the outro is great. It finally feels kind of finished. I can now understand why you had like demo in brackets on it for years. Um, so mm. that was quite cool. But yeah, that is nice. what literally the biggest news I've had all year, apart from the very obvious. Um, sticking with vinyl, though, I'm you've got some big you, news. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> You're just happy that now I can stop talking about it. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, should we just wrap up the pod now or do you want to go sort of like... 
What a way to go out. We did it, guys. We did it. (laughs) Something I'm also excited about is, um, as you listen to this, listener, um, you will be in with a shot of getting some enemies final because it's the 10th anniversary, which is terrifying, of your debut. We've been talking and you've pressed it again. I'm very hyped. Tell us a bit about the release. Yeah, yeah. Actually, there's a weird synchronicity to this, Craig, because I remember when we released that record, you reviewed it. Uh, I did. I was at the Whelan's launch show. Yeah, it was a great show. I only found, like, I think I found that review, like, maybe two years ago or something when I was, you know. Oh, wow, you've read it. (laughs) Can you remember any of it? (laughs) It was amazing. I think you compared us to the Smashing Pumpkins at one point, which I took as nothing oh, but yeah. extreme praise that was like music to my ears yeah i remember um, some reference to instrumental smashing pumpkins deep cut classics or something like that it was an yeah. exciting gig i really enjoyed it and i was super ah, thanks, hyped man because uh, yeah, i was, was i mean i was go gonna on. say i was just i had literally started in hot press i was fresh out of college it was that summer and that was one of the first albums i kind of got into around that time so a lot of good memories um still go back to it quite a lot along with the rest of your back catalog but just that one has kind of that personal kind of significance so yeah mm-hmm. for me an incredible album uh, personally and objectively how about you <laughs> Obje- how about object- you Mark? i would agree i would agree it's, it's objectively <laughs> fantastic um yeah we yeah it, it, it's a weird one it's a it's totally a cult album because it holds this like we've been broken up for a couple of years now so we're able to sort of stand back and assess the catalogue and that's the one that just keeps coming up yeah. The one that people keep messaging us about, the one that like people keep screaming for us to repress, because I think we only ever originally pressed like 700 copies or something, uh, and that was between Japan and Ireland. So they went really quickly. People have been like sending us borderline abusive emails for a long time trying wow. to get us to repress this record. So I don't know why we why we left it so long. Um, but, you know, it just seems like 10 years just seemed like a good idea. We've kind of done up like a nice blue colour. Um, I've written like a kind of a, a little retrospective essay on that period, which is really fun to do. And that's included in like a booklet. Um, and we got them all like fancy lithographically printed by Plus Print in Dublin. Shout out Plus Print in Dublin. They're amazing. Nice. Um, so it's nice. Like, yeah, it's definitely a, a big improvement on the original package and... Uh, it's been fun just revisiting that album because it had been such a long time since we had listened to it. Like Lewis was over in my house the other day, we were packing up the booklets and we just stuck it on and it was like, wow, this is, this ain't bad. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, if I'm allowed to say that. And yeah, it was really, it was bringing back a lot of good memories. So what you're saying is you've sold all your copies that were going for crazy prices on Discogs. Um, you're like, okay, now is the time to revisit it. Um, we've this made as it. much money as we can out of the initial pressing. And now this people can go to enemiesmusic.bandcamp.com right now. Go right now because they will sell out. Um, and yeah, get that final if you can. I will be doing awesome. similar. So yeah, super hyped um, for that. In decidedly less pleasant news, it's the news. Um, that clip we played at the start of the show. It might be the last time you hear Too Sexy for a while. Uh, I'm now starting to think maybe I shouldn't have even played it because uh, I feel like I've crossed something of a picket line. Uh, that's because Right Said Fred <laughs> have sparked backlash. Um, they've come under her fire quite rightly for yeah attending a COVID conspiracy rally uh, last week. So first I've heard of Right Said Fe- Fred in a minute. How about you, Mark? First I've ever heard... 
the artist's name responsible I was going to say song. they're I, two I've brothers never, <laughs> I, have, I can't believe that that song is performed by a duo of brothers called Right Said Fred like I, me- I expected it would be like you know Arnold like fucking biceptarian or something would be the singer behind that song it's just something real manly and sexy and sort of European yeah, yeah well it in Stop fairness, it. in fairness, it's Fred and Richard. Yeah, okay, but Fairbrass. I mean, that's a pretty manly surname, no? Big Fairbrass. Brass. I changed <laughs> huge <laughs> brass. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it was kind of like a, a parody song, I guess, but there must have been that moment where either Fred or Richard turned to the other brother and was like, "I've got this song. It's called Too Sexy. Here are the lyrics I've worked up. Let's do this, brother." Are, are these guys British? These fair grasses. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're the kind of middle-aged musicians that are now referring to the BBC as the British Brainwashing Corporation. So, yeah, I think they're very much uh, Londoners, it would appear. sexy for the BBC. (laughs) Yeah, they were, they took to Twitter to say, um, it was a really good atmosphere in Trafalgar Square today. which they could totally soak up because they weren't wearing masks, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there was a huge Twitter backlash. They then tried to take on the people that were rightly outraged, saying stuff like, <laughs> because of course there was lots of puns flying around, um, one of which I quickly used in the WhatsApp group for this very show, and I realise mm-hmm. now it was not original whatsoever. Too sexy was for my it? mask being one. <laughs> yeah. oh, I was literally just about to go there, yeah. I was yeah. Like, this is totally, they're just teeing it up. They're just getting ready for that comeback single that like Jim Core is going to play guitar Oh on. my God, yeah, what a murderer's <laughs> row of anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers. Uh, yeah, so they responded with, if the best you've got is far right said Fred, which is far better than sexy, too sexy for my mask. That's excellent. Um, deeply, and this is kind of um, asterisked out, shitty, I think. Did they have a deeply something song? I cannot remember Jeez, that one. Know. Deeply um, shitty is, what, is it a song title? <laughs> well, hold on a sec. I'm going <laughs> to... Okay, they have a song called Deeply Dippy, which I have never heard okay. before, nor do I need to hear. Um, and nice. they also mentioned bald C words or T words, which I think is twats. I don't think that's a pun. I think they were just, they don't, they're like follically challenged. Um, they okay. continue, then don't be surprised if you're blocked for being predictable and boring. Um, they then say, when we're fundraising for the Royal Marston Hospital, which we do annually, our timeline is quiet. However, we go to a protest and everyone loses their collective shit. Funny that. So yeah, weaponizing charity work, which is always good. Um, particularly yeah, healthcare yeah, stuff I, as well. I'm sure Royal Marston Hospital were really pleased about being dragged into that. I, yeah, yeah. I'm just dreading the day that like an artist I actually care about gets dragged into this, uh, you know, know. right-leaning COVID conspiracy rhetoric. Well, um, so you know, far. it's a constant concern with Kanye, of course, and he's a different kind Big of time. bracket. Um, I feel like, I do feel, perhaps naively, that his heart is still very much in the right place, but um, yeah. He I, always uh, for the, gets a pass from me. <laughs> he kind of does. <laughs> anytime, like, yeah. anytime he says anything I disagree with, I just put it under mental illness and, and yeah. give an immediate pass. <laughs> yeah, Mark, I think he's our problematic fave. Uh, I never thought I'd use yeah. that term, but yeah. Um, one person who is... I was going to say not problematic in any sense, but I'm I'm willing to be corrected by whoever's listening to this. Vin Diesel is um, yes. officially a pop star now. 
Um, after decades of success in Hollywood, thanks to the Fast and Furious franchise, he's turned his attention to dominating, this new story says, a whole new category of entertainment. Yeah, so he released his debut single, Feel Like I Do, um, earlier this week. He's partnered with Norwegian DJ Kygo. It's an EDM banger, and it sounds mm-hmm. a little something like this. I love that. <laughs> Mark loves it. Our sonic architect Adam is saying kill it. Probably kill it with it fire. That, I love it in that it's like the classic like drone cam wedding video from like your auntie's wedding in Spain. Yes. Like it's just so stock. It's so like here we are dancing under the sun, lens flares flying everywhere. Uh I just think, yeah, but I, 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 it's better than I was expecting from Vin Diesel, to be honest. He knows it's hooky, uh, it's terrible, but in all the right ways. And Guys, I, I gotta I say, I love it. it. I love it. Yeah. The vocals totally work for me. It's like the Blaze, um, but better. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, it's stock is definitely the right word. But I was surprised as well. Like, it's, you know, it's listenable. I, I don't know what I was expecting with him. Um, probably some, like, aggressive vocals something like that but it's quite tender i like that kind mm. of bruised vocal style that he has um it's kind of i find it slightly endearing considering he seems like i don't know a bit of a doofus maybe i've always been team the rock in that little feud they've got going on where they can't stand each other and don't talk to each other on oh, set right Didn't but um I, i'm seeing hidden depths here um but, yeah there's a yeah. there's a rich gruff texture to his voice that's <laughs> very is. refreshing and it could be today's... put to good use in today's landscape of, of pristine polish, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just can't wait to see how many wedding videos this gets used in. Um, yeah. I hope I'm not at any of these weddings, but oh, yeah, it's going to be... Imagine like COVID weddings with like 25 people soundtrack to this <sighs> with like just the bleakest fucking <laughs> videos. The not end we, is now. We have access to these videos, you know, it's not like people put them on YouTube or anything, but I'm going to go digging. Well, there's videos apparently of Vin um, himself kind of doing karaoke. I didn't realise this was such a big thing for him. Like, the, it, it seems like his passion really is with the music. Uh, he's performed at the MTV music, uh, Movie Awards. Yeah, he did See You Again, in tribute to Paul Walker. Um, I think he's done that a few times. Yeah, apparently his quintessential karaoke performance is Rihanna's Stay, which I'll have to dig out at some point. I advise you all Excellent. do that as well. This song was debuted on the Kelly Clarkson show. Um, of course. And he shared a video. The music for the Kelly Clarkson show. Very much does. Perfect choice. <laughs> video of him in the recording studio saying, Kelly, I'm so honoured to be able to debut my music on your show because you, since you first won Idol until today, have somehow, somehow maintained your authenticity. I am blessed mm. that on a year that I would normally be on a movie set, as you know, that's not possible. I've had another creative outlet, another way to show you or share with you my heart. And to that oh. end, one of the people that first believed in me was Kygo. I hope you like it. So yeah, um, you know, he's pursuing I, thing, his dreams. One, I can't take on that. One piece of, uh, of trivia on this thing is I, I just looked at it on Spotify today. It has 
872,000 streams already, so he's going to hit the mill before the week is out. Jeez. And the top playlist that this is on is called Friday Crate Diggers. It's curated by Spotify. What? It's this week's new dance and electronic music with DJQ. This is not, like, nothing about this resembles anything to do with crate digging. Crate digging. Like, can, can we get the vinyl of this? Is that, is that possible? Like, is this, like, is this already in the crate? Like, has it been, has it been such a spectacular failure that it's already in the crate? Can I get a special anyway? edition vinyl of this that is scented like diesel? That's what diesel, I want. Diesel scented would be incredible, yeah. yeah unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I mean, a uh, fair play to him. Apparently he said after he did that um, MTV performance a while back, he was asked about a potential career in music in an interview and he lit up apparently saying, why am I living in a world of baby steps? I need to go for it and I will someday. So I like that can-do attitude for sure. I love this. I love these, I just love these Renaissance dudes like yeah. fucking your, your Kevin Hart's and your Dwayne Johnson's and your Vin Diesel's who are literally just like, don't tell me that I can't do anything because I will do it. And it doesn't even matter if it's fair. For me, I'm just like fair play. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy Renner, of course, um, blessed us with his own music recently enough. Yeah, and yeah, I'm treat. glad it's in. I'm glad it's all in the world for sure. Um, one actual musical icon who it seems like back in the '90s when she was at the height of her fame felt a bit restricted. Didn't feel like she could publicly do everything she wanted to do. Really interesting revelation this week from Mariah Carey that she worked on an alt-rock album in 1995. So mm. she's, she's got her memoir on the way, The Making of Mariah, uh, the Making of Mariah Carey, um, which I, I kind of feel like I might want to read, or at least read like a very abridged version in like The Guardian, like some news story. Anyway, I feel like she's got totally. a lot to say. Um, there's a, yeah, there's like so many periods where she's just disappeared yeah. off the map and, and there's been like, you know, Obviously, she's someone who's struggled a lot with her mental health in the past and, totally. you know, has been just like the vi- another, you know, victim of just like being tossed into insane stardom from quite a young age. I'd, I'd love to read that that memoir. <laughs> Is it a memoir? It's a memoir. That yeah. Book? Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I totally agree with you. It's, it's, she's a fascinating character. As you say, she's had her ups and her downs. Huge talent. Uh, probably kind of slept on as a songwriter. And she reeled in this teaser for the book. Um, fun fact, I did an alternative album while I was making Daydream. It's a 1995 album first, just for laughs, but it got me through some dark days. And then she said, here's a little of, um, yeah, what I wrote about it in the book. And she also gave a sample of not quite the original sessions, but kind of little known album that was released by her friends that featured her vocals. We've got a clip. I think this is her, where Mariah's kind of taking the lead so you can get a sense of it. What do we think? That that is a catchy chorus right there. It's got a good hook, doesn't it? <laughs> like, oh, I don't know. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> well, in Diesel, it's, it got stuck <laughs> in my head, and enough to kind of convince me that, like, if this was just another, you know, mid-tier grunge band, I'd be like, yeah, that's a fine song. It's kind of sub. Um, it's kind of sub hole, so it's maybe like you know. Um, on a par with Bush or something like that 
But um, yeah, yeah, it's all about where it gets synced. You know, it, it would probably be like so enhanced by just being like selected for just the right moment in a like nineties teen grunge flick. Yeah, and sadly that moment has passed. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I wonder is there going to be a revival of this? Like, like we had like that sort of riot girl grunge you know like real like feministly charged era in the early 90s this is obviously like tapping into some of that energy yeah then we had like you know avril lavigne and kelly osborne and you know that sort of resurgence of like punky kind of uh you know i don't know what the word i'm looking for here is but just like cool female fronted yeah rock music um is like are is there are we are we going to get a third wave of this is Mariah Carey going to come out and like it could, it could be led by this this rarities album I think that we're getting this month as well so maybe this full version is going to be on it the the original sessions the original track was called Demented it came out as um, this from a band called Chick that I think was fronted by her friend Clarissa um, yeah so interesting I think the the comments um, from Mariah in the book around like how she could kind of just cut loose with this style of music speaks a lot to how she felt like she had to like have this carefully uh, curated image at the time. She was saying like, uh, I was playing with the style of the breezy grunge, punk light, white female singers who were popular at the time. You know, the ones who seem to be so carefree with their feelings and their image. They could be ang- angry, angsty and messy with old shoes, wrinkled slips and unruly eyebrows. She's being a bit harsh. Um, while every movie I made <laughs> was so calculated and manicured, I wanted to break free, let loose and express my misery. But I also wanted to laugh, totally looking forward to doing my alter ego band sessions after Daydream uh, each night. So yeah, cool that she had that outlet. Yeah, sounds sweet. I, I was reading, I was like looking into Janet Jackson a lot recently on uh, her Velvet Rope album. And uh, it seems like she kind of tried to lean into a similar sort of thing, just so entirely sick of like being this immaculately polished sort of product of, of focus grouping almost. And, and I think on that record in particular, just got to sort of like let her hair down and express more authentic sides of herself. Yeah, always got time for that sort of energy. Cool totally. to see Mariah getting on that buzz. We're here for it. Um, and whatever about that kind of third wave of punky kind of female-led music, I think we're still riding the WAP wave right now. Are we, Mark? Are you? Big time. By, by the way, are we even saying, we're saying WAP, right? It's not W-A-P. I'm so old and out of the loop here in Kildare. <laughs> Do you want me to say? I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I can, I can say what it stands for. I it is really the sexy episode. Yeah, I, I was really late finding out what it actually stood for and was one of those people that in the first instance thought they were talking about the early ESAT uh, Digifone sort of <laughs> oh my God, internet yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. the WAP, WAP, is, WAP is going strong. I believe there's a, a, a long line of WAP merchandise now available. So, that we're yeah, plug. Cardi B, shrewd business person that she is, has reportedly filed trademark WAP, of course you would, um, for her next range of merchandise. Um, so she's apparently going to release WAP titled Alcoholic and Soft Drinks. Um, the collab with Megan Thee Stallion back in August was a huge hit, obviously. Um it's interesting the kind of way that they're going to capitalize on this and the types of merch they're kind of getting slightly ingenious with it. So it's going to mm. feature items of clothing, headwear, footwear, athletic bags, purses, and jewelry. Um, <laughs> there's apparently already a WAP store. Right? You failed to mention that like most of this merch is, is, is waterproof. Waterproof. 
<laughs> yeah, these items could join the range of waterproof um, WAP merchandise that is already available to purchase. Uh, the water-themed merch included <laughs> umbrellas, raincoats, and spandex bras, along with a biker short set, sweater, crop t-shirts, and more. Um, yeah, they've oh. really hit on something here. I say run with it. It's yeah, all good absolutely. fun. Milk that cow uh, <laughs> as long as you can. Cardi B and Megan the Stallion. Yeah, Maybe it was all Stallion. It was all good um, fun. I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the kind of, um, you know, the faux outrage around the whole thing because it was just like there'd be pop songs about sex for as we will find out in the top five. Oh yeah. For decades upon a, decades, this is not a new thing. Um, get over yourselves. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's. I guess it's like this year's in terms of just like a song that has become such a meme. I guess it's like this year's Old Town Road. It's gonna be, it's gonna be milked in terms of like every kind of merchandising pro- uh, possibility. The intent, like the intent behind the song, is class. Um, yeah. But I think by in about six months' time, we're gonna be so so sick of of like going into pennies and seeing like WAP teeth <laughs> in the kids section. Uh, <laughs> I hope to be in pennies right now. Yeah, that might be yeah. a step too far. <laughs> yeah. Keep me in lockdown. Um, talking about things going too far, um, really kind of depressing story. Um, Whitney Houston's hologram has resurfaced um, unofficially, weirdly, this week. It's been used it without like permission. A, <laughs> I know. It sounds like the plot of a Scooby-Doo episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, Whitney's hologram is at it again. <laughs> Um, it's been used in a live stream show uh, without permission from her estate. So Hologram USA um, is the company behind the hologram initially. The founder had worked, Al- Alki David is his um, very respectable name. He'd originally worked on the likeness <laughs> back in 2016. It was supposed to premiere that year uh, during an episode of The Voice, of course, to duet with then co-host and still very much alive, Christina Aguilera, of course, before going uh, on a world tour. The estate cancelled the project because they said the hologram didn't look like Whitney. Um, but it would seem that Alki David is undeterred because it's resurfaced on a variety style show hosted by producer songwriter Scott Storch, um, who I believe was like in the roots years back. He's a keyboardist. Uh, okay. It was on his, his, um, David's film on TV network. Um, film on, which I believe is like a go-to spot for unscrupulous people trying to find like illegal streams of TV shows and stuff. And they're kind of trying to become legitimate by doing okay. hologram variety shows with Scott Storch. It's b- bizarre, right? But apparently this is, at this yeah. event, which featured guests such as Ray J and Chief Keef, um, as well as appearances from the likes of the late Billie Holiday the late Tupac, the late Michael Jackson, and the late Notorious B.I.G., all, of course, as holograms. Um, Yeah, Whitney Houston was used to introduce the acts, apparently. I've not seen the clips. I do not want to see the clips. But yeah, the estate was outraged (laughs) very naturally. Um, Such a weird thing. Can you remember just stumbling upon this stream? (laughs) This is like, this is a dystopian nightmare. Like, if three years ago, if I heard this news story, I'd be like, what sci-fi is that from and uh, how can I pre-order a, a Blu-ray of it? Uh, yeah. It's mental. This is like, what? 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 Like, 
Yeah, I love that. Like the hologram thing is just so, so bizarre. And I had this, like, I was daydreaming there while you were talking and just imagining all these holograms <laughs> sitting on a tour bus together. Like just imagining them touring in the same mundane way that like an actual living human does. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's fucked up. Uh, I don't think Whitney's family ever even okayed it in the first place. Oh no, they would have to, wouldn't they? So basically they were working with this guy to develop it and then they saw the hologram and were just like, no, this can okay. never be seen. It doesn't look anything like her. Please don't use this. And he's now arguing that, well, I created it so I can use it. And um, What's his name? Alki Dave. Alki Dave. Alki David. Alki Dave, Alky Dave <laughs> um, drunk on power again. Wow. <laughs> Speaking of David's, um, not drunk on power though, um, I know for certain that Dave usually daydreams when I'm talking on the podcast, but he doesn't explicitly say it, Mark. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I was just daydreaming just, there when you were You were talking, talking about holograms, Craig. <laughs> you were talking about like Biggie, waffling and, on. <laughs> Biggie and Whitney Houston and Billy Holiday hanging out together as was, holograms. Like that's ripe imagination fuel right there i know i was painting quite the picture for you um let me paint yeah. another picture in our final news item this week before we move on to the album it's from dystopia to a heavenly picture it's david attenborough very much still with us thankfully um mm. teaming up some years back with the wonderful bjork year was 2013 and um david attenborough's got a new show out it's kind of like a documentary come memoir uh, mm-hmm. a life on our planet netflix thing um and he's been talking about his first meeting with the icelandic musician he's called her a very original person yeah fair um with mm-hmm. strange music which i guess yeah if you're david fair. attenborough fair um <laughs> i didn't realize i don't think that they work together but it makes total sense uh, apparently they worked on a channel yeah. four documentary but i totally see her brand of music working with his brand of visuals and nature and yeah oh man if you haven't checked out that channel four documentary get a look at it it is oh, really? stunning um even just visually uh the, the I, I think she was working with you know as as bjork tends to do she was working with a whole team of like really innovative visual artists around the time of that i think it was the biophilia record uh, well, okay that makes Picnic, sense. i believe yeah uh, which was an incredible incredible show one of the best i've ever seen but yeah the the documentary kind of captures the planning of that tour when she was using like giant tesla coils and things like that to play bass lines real sciencey real nerdy real like earth themed um just incredible the visuals in it are amazing it's like it's got all the kind of like visual richness of an attenborough documentary the sonic richness of a bjork record they seem like such a incredibly oppositional yeah oppositional yet complementary yeah. pairing uh and they seem to have really good chemistry on on screen as well it's it's really nice okay i'm gonna have to check that out my last um experience of attenborough's work was when i was returning from amsterdam after a few days there and i was i think still quite stoned i got in the door <laughs> put down my suitcase and was like kind of in that hazy thing of like it was yeah it was of course after a stag um which is you know what i do at weekends when we're not when the world isn't all topsy-turvy um so i was kind of like slightly hungover but then also stoned to combat the hangover and there was an admiral documentary on it was a sunday evening i sat there watching (laughs) it was about these i think it was birds it was either birds or bats that live behind a waterfall 
and they have to go around this waterfall to kind of, they mate within the waterfall, they live their lives kind of flying around the waterfall. And Mark, I started crying. It was the oh, most yes. beautiful thing I've ever seen. Yes. I was, so, hoping that the, I was hoping that was where this story was going. Yeah, I've been yeah. there, man. I've, we've my, all cried at Edinburgh. Um, <laughs> most of my anecdotes end with me crying. There's um, one show on Netflix where he has a load of walruses who like jump off a very high cliff. Um, oh, Jesus. They're like, they're like searching their for the water, but they have like really poor eyesight. So they think that there's water down below, but as a result of global warming, there is no water. And they're literally just jumping to their deaths. It is the most devastating thing I've ever seen. And I watched it after a very, very heavy night. Um, I was kind of in Kerry with a bunch of friends. We were renting an Airbnb together. We got up. We thought, oh, this will be nice and comforting. Stuck it on. Oh, my God. Traumatic. Yeah. So be careful because it can be the most perfect thing for hangover, but also choose your episode wisely. Yeah. Maybe I'll go for um, that Bjork collab um, for yeah, sure. That's, that's, you're safe enough with that. Yeah. The voyage of discovery I'm on mm-hmm. after this show. Um, dear listener, if you want to go on a voyage of podcast discovery, I think I have just the Headstuff Network uh, show for you. If, you know, if like Bjork meeting David Attenborough, you want to start your own beautiful new friendship, but a kind of virtual one, a very one-sided one with four lads, um, pints of malt might just be the ticket. Um, and yeah, if you like the kind of sense of um, camaraderie we foster on Encore, I think this, you might vibe with this. Here are the lads to talk a little bit more about their own show. Check out. Okay, it's Jibs here from Pints of Malt. So our podcast is basically group of Irish Nigerian lads who tell their stories growing up in Ireland as well as Nigeria and we share our experiences with all of y'all. We also had a bit of comedy as well, you know, to get y'all laughing, get y'all through the week in these tough times that we are in. So y'all sit back and just, you know, enjoy the show. As Jib said, we're the Pints of Mob podcast. You can find us on all streaming platforms, including the Hest of the Network. Nice. Yeah. So very much check that out. Um, great podcast and a great podcast name. I'm a fan of great podcast names. Pints of Malt is right up there with the likes of Too Beautiful to Live, the last podcast on the left. So yeah, very much check that out. Okay, let's move on to our album of the week. The also fantastically named The Ascension. It's Sufjan Stevens' eighth um studio album accepting the very many side projects he's involved with um i think he released an album with his stepdad earlier this year which i have not heard i've heard this though and so has mark we've reviewed it here's america Mm -hmm. taken from the ascension Yeah, that was America, and that was 30 seconds of an 80-minute album, as I said previously. Um, is it worth the 80 minutes? We will find out. I will say, Mark, um, I, I initially was quite apologetic that we were, you know, you had to do the five-listen thing for the review, obviously, and it's a lot of time to devote to an album. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. one of the greatest songwriters in the world, so not as bad. But then I was thinking, you are kind of like, we have bonded previously over being... Um, 
kind of track list rearrangers, um, people that mm. will maybe take a, the life of Pablo or a father of the bride and go get rid of those songs, reorder it this way. Um, so you might just be the man for the job if we get into this and we feel like we need to get out the scalpel. Time will tell. Um, I yes. will start with a, a little quick primer just on Mr. Stevens for people that might not know. Um, so he's a Michigan artist. He started his recording career around about 1999. Um, he's a prominent banjo plucker. I keep seeing that used in interviews with him and an electronic music enthusiast more so this decade, I guess. Um, he's probably the most interesting, like hard on the sleeve Christian in pop alongside Kanye, I would say. He's far less outspoken. He's actually quite shy and retiring. Uh, he's talked recently about appearing at the Oscars, um, a couple of years ago and finding the whole thing quite traumatizing. Um, and his music is, uh, by and large, extraordinary, um, quite heartfelt, you know, laden with quirks without ever being too twee. I, I find anyway, some people mm-hmm. might see him as like a musical Wes Anderson. I don't know, but he digs deep. He's got that choir boy voice, but like he's the choir boy who has maybe seen too much of what the congregation gets up to. And his <laughs> albums kind of contain multitudes and multiverses and an album like Illinois is just, you know, totally encapsulates a state um, from, you know, upbeat USA postcards to UFO sightings and songs about, yeah, John Wayne Gacy Jr. Um, so that was one of the albums that was initially going to form this jokey um, 50 States project uh, years back, where he was going to do an album for every state. Uh, he abandoned that. He said it was a joke, which probably was, although I wouldn't have betted against him doing it, to be fair. Um but he's a kind of man of swerves artistically. So since then, he's done a number of projects. He went kind of experimental and a bit more electronic with Age of Odds, which saw him dip into like apocalyptic esoterica and outsider art. Um, I adore that album, the 2010 album. Then 2015, he arrived with Kerry and Lowell, um, which came after his mother's passing and was um, referring to um, his mother and his stepfather. Um, that was more getting back to his folk roots. Uh, tremendous work. This time around, he's talking about having something of a crisis of faith. Uh, he's left New York for the Catskill Mountains. He's taken a kind of profit eight since and loads of analog since with him. Uh, I think he was kicked out of Brooklyn because of like some greedy landlord, which is just like a sheer sign that Brooklyn is very much over. <laughs> that <laughs> that arch yeah. hipster, like the, ki- the the patron saint of hipsters, Sufian, has to leave Brooklyn. Uh, you just know mm. it's over. Um, but yeah, this is quite a heavy album where where um, he talks about not knowing where to turn and feeling disillusioned with his fate and also the kind of folk music and the the songs that he put out previously. He just says he was disassociated from his back Mm catalogue. So there's a lot to dive into. Um, I will say I was primed and ready for the task. I previously reviewed a uh, 160-minute album of his, Silver and Gold, which was a Christmas album. It's very long. I think I gave it like 7 out of 10. Uh, did the full oh, slog. There's the a lot of thing. Yeah, there was a lot wow. of great songs on it, dude. Um, yeah. Was there a lot of great songs on this? How did you find it? How was your approach, Mark? Uh, what was your experience over the past week? So, yeah, so I will, I will preface this by admitting to being a, a huge Sufjan Stevens fan. So I was oh. coming into this going, you know what, there's a lot of bias that's going to be coming into this. I had heard the three singles, America, uh, Sugar and Video Game. Video Game, yeah. Hearing the album, I, I was really into all three. 
Um, so feeling very encouraged going in, I was I was pretty sure I was going to really enjoy this record. Um, I didn't know it was going to be 80 minutes long. Um, I actually went to Tower Records on release day last week to pick it up on vinyl because Sufjan's a, 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 one of the only artists out there that I will just pick up the record and just bring it home and have like a first listen on headphones with like For sure. you know, a couple of beers. Um, so my first listen was not on a beanbag at home with a couple of beers. It was actually out for a walk um, in the Phoenix Park. It was a lovely sunny day. Um, so yeah, I... I found this kind of a slog if i'm being if i'm being totally honest at least on right. that first listen um i found myself kind of reaching for my phone like 40 minutes in you know it's sort of like the midway point like kind of texting friends and being like hey you around like it was not immersive i would say um i feel like yeah so this is this is a side of sufyan that he has very much uh, not even not not even dabbled in, but has very much like indulged in before. You mentioned Age of Ads there earlier, uh, a sprawling you know epic of an album uh, mm. themed around kind of outsider art and and I think personal health issues and illnesses around the time of that record being made as well. Um, that was the first time that I had heard Sufjan really sort of like losing that veneer of like positivity and sort of like naivety that some might say he has and, and kind of this jubilant mode that he's in on Illinois and sometimes yeah. on Michigan and really leaning into like a depression I suppose like really just throwing his hands up in the air and sort of saying I surrender and throwing everything in the kitchen sink musically in there as well much more electronic and drum machines and synthesizers and op, you know like just huge choirs um that record didn't really click for me i did I, I spent a lot of time with it when it came out uh, i went to see the show in the olympia theater it just for whatever reason just felt too overly kind of stuffed for me i yeah. feel like i have similar sort of issues with this record um he to me is an artist who excels in minimalism and simplicity um, when he leaves space in a song for his lyrics and his voice to just cut through, I feel like that's when he writes his best material. You could pick a, a number of cuts off Illinois for that, like, you know, John Wayne Gacy Jr. that you mentioned earlier, Casimir Pulowski Day. Yeah. Um, you know, there's Feudal Devices will be one of my favorite tracks off of The Age of Ads. Like Amazing. The, the music that he did for Call Me By Your Name. Like, when he just wears his heart on his sleeve and speaks from a more personal perspective, I feel like... Um, he's he's unrivaled in his in his brilliance. Um, I am less interested in the mode that he seems to occupy here, where he is speaking less from kind of personal storytelling and more in kind of like generalities or, or what he's called in interviews cliches. He's speaking in yeah. like, you know song titles that are you know run away with me, make me an offer I cannot refuse, uh, tell me you love me. You know he's like these declarative sort of pleas. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like he's too good of a songwriter to speak in cliches or generalities and that we're sort of mi really missing an opportunity to like look under the hood and learn more about his relationship with God, his relate, you know, if, if he's losing faith in America, if he's losing faith in God, if he's struggling in his life, like I feel like it's the personal minute details that, that tell us more about those things than the than the general sort of sweeping statements that are almost like slogans. Um, 
so yeah this has been uh tricky for me on those levels however there have been times on it that i've really enjoyed i, I really enjoy america i really mm. enjoy video games i really enjoy sugar the ones where he maybe i don't with sugar and video games in particular it's like they're the most pop infused songs on the record and there's he's leaving space in the mix he's not over cluttering it with the like a million layers of synthesizers and drum machines all battling and crashing against each other. There's a kind of a, a bop to a video game in particular. Um, yeah, sorry, I feel like I've spoken for a long time now, but there's, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack in this record. There really <laughs> How is. How you feel about it, Craig? Yeah, um, initial, like, your first impressions were coalescing with yours totally. And I do feel like that is the thing where a lot of people have said it feels like he's going against the stuff that makes him unique and such a brilliant writer, one of the best uh, this century for my money. Um, And he's kind of stripping away a lot of the stuff. Like if he is that disenchanted with the world, um, America, clearly God um, and his back catalogue, or at least when he was recording this album, I think he said in a recent interview that he's kind of ready to go and do a folk album, which is maybe good to hear Mm -hmm. for some people. He's really distilling his songwriting back and kind of, yeah, leaning on these cliches, which he said are, you know, cliches for a reason and they help people get through and, you know, during tough times. And it does feel like a record kind of of endurance and trying to endure. I don't Mm -hmm. really mean that in a bad way whatsoever because uh, initial listen, it felt quite Um, Mm samey. The synths were kind of washing over me. I think there's some other, other artists that do similar things in maybe a slightly more ingenious way. But actually, the more and more I listened to it, I found it quite rewarding. I didn't feel it was a slog. I think there's enough kind of poppy moments as well. Um, and while I definitely had to kind of grapple with it a little bit, it did. It felt more like trying to climb the summit of something and something of an achievement. And there was definitely payoff there for me. Um, mm-hmm. I think the, the first five songs are actually pretty great songs. And then you get to something like Die Happy, which is a lot of repetition. It's like a kind of mantra thing. Um, mm. just some weird musical stuff going on underneath. And at that point you realise, oh, this is only kind of like bass camp. And now I have to go through another burst of songs <laughs> that are kind of quite samey. And I've I've come around to liking quite a lot. But yeah, there's, there's kind of weird ways to divide this up. So I see those first kind of five tracks. Then we're into like a, a palette cleanser with Die Happy. And there's a mm. run of tracks there, which aren't up with his best work for me. Death Star, though, and Goodbye to All That, which kind of sync really nicely, work really well for me. And the last trio, Sugar, as you mentioned, the title track and America, which you all mentioned, um, are great. And so you're you're looking yeah. at like um, at least an album's worth of really, really good stuff. Um, sure. I think I think he's yeah. done a good job at like that, that predicament that he has, right, which you, you, you quite can point out where he's kind of meditating on a bit of a trope, right? It's that whole thing of like, why would God, if he exists, let all this awful stuff happen? And it's just like, that has been done before. And when you're talking in sure. such a universal, in such a universal way, there are, there isn't that kind of minutia and those details that kind of um, really set the thing alight. But I yeah. think the kind of mantras he's using and the cliches, he twists them quite nicely. He kind of rinses them of meaning and then serves them up. And in a way that's quite nourishing, I found. Um, yeah. And there's yeah. kind of cynical edge to it at times, which I think kind of works. It's not his best lyrical performance 
ever. Although there's still some great stuff. Um, like, like there is kind of beauty in the simplicity for me. Even the opening lines of like, you know, moving like the waters, I cannot drink. I think that's just like really simple, but it distills something beautifully. Um, and there's moments then when you hit goodbye to all that, where he kind of finds some tangible stuff and he starts talking about sitting in his car and you're like suddenly back to the old Sufjan stuff. And it feels like mm. you've really earned it because it's like about him going to this different place and he's come through the, the far side. Um, Suffice to say that I don't really think, maybe apart from Gilgamesh, there's much I I feel like I can legitimately cut from this because it Mm -hmm. feels like it's, I don't know, I've got a weird kind of admiration for this album. I'm kind of beguiled by it. I keep playing it despite its length. And while there's tracks that I don't particularly personally love, they feel like they're serving a purpose. I feel like it's going to have a longer shelf life and... It's doing something quite interesting. Now, maybe that's just my bias because I feel like I'm giving him, maybe I could be giving him too much credit. Maybe I'm adding layers of context to the simple lyrics because I know, you know, the deep well of stuff that he's, that has gone before. Um, Mm -hmm. But for that reason, it's kind of working for me. Yeah, I, I think you, you made a good point there or one that I would sympathize with in that first listen, it's, it's so dense that yeah. it's just, it's, it's overwhelming really. And I think particularly on first listen, once you get past, once you get to base camp at track five or six, you get, you enter into a really dense collection of songs that feel on, on first listen, very similar. You know, it's just like, yeah. it's a lot of like distorted drum programming. Kind of, of Tom, like, Tom York solo stuff, moody, just, yeah, yeah those kind of textures. A lot of very eccentric synthesizers and kind of maybe, you know, just like repeating vocals that are run through a, 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 just a, a, a myriad of effects. Um, it is, it is improving on each listen with me. I, th- I think I've had like, I think I've done four listens to it now and I find myself unearthing more gems each time I dive in um that being said I still do find certain parts of like certain parts of it I guess yeah I guess it's just like we spoke earlier about father of the bride we spoke about uh about Pablo the life of Pablo yeah. like, I would I think I could totally see myself doing the the scalpel uh, <laughs> you know cutting room job on this uh it, it on for I wanted to compare it to Tenet on first listen <laughs> <laughs> oh wow i still haven't seen tenet but that seems like <laughs> that's quite cruel. the dig that's, that's, yeah that's yeah. quite unfair of me uh on first listen i was so disappointed and so sort of like despondent listening to it that i was like this is just fucking tenet in audio form uh it's not <laughs> that i'm sorry sufjan i don't mean to throw you in in with that absolute pile of horse shit but uh yeah it's it's definitely possibly his most challenging record to date for me um with Age of Ads, I could, I kept returning to that record and finding not a lot of fruit in it. With this, I'm finding more fruit with each listen. So time will sort of tell for me. I do think that to speak to the positives for a moment, I think America might be one of the best things he's written for me. Yeah, um, it's I, I, I love that tune. When it first came out, I, I remember just standing it in my back garden, just looking up at the stars, listening to it for the 12 minutes and 30 seconds and just sort of, getting one of those rare musical moments where you just sort of drift away. Um, I think some of the lines, some of the lyrics in it are, are just brilliantly sort of playful. And, you know, there's the, I've kissed your face like a Judas in heat line, which I just think is fantastic, especially coming from Sufjan Stevens, like to hear him taking like Christian doctrine and, and approaching it with that amount of levity is, is really refreshing. Um, 
yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good stuff in here. I would probably, sh- I think you could shave it down to, I think you could probably shave it down to an excellent 40-minute record and maybe a very strong hour-long record. I do think the 80 minutes is somewhat bloated. I also think just where we're at culturally, the world is crumbling and burning around <laughs> us and, and he is echoing feelings that people have. Yeah. I find myself reaching more for escapism and fantasy than sitting in the negativity and the and the depression of of our current situation so that's probably not helping it either i think i feel like we're just in too much of a shit situation right now for this album to actually be a mood <laughs> it's too close to home i suppose that's me. fair yeah i had that exact same problem with the everything everything record where it's like you're you're kicking off the records taking the point of view of someone that's converted to extremism and i'm just like i don't need this i'm mm. seeing it i'm in my twitter feed kind of thing um so i totally see that point uh yeah. i will say yeah like america is a tremendous track it's it's funny how when i initially heard that it sounded quite dejected and cynical and then in the context of the rest of the record it feels weirdly like a defiant thing of like i'm not quite finished yet it's almost yeah, weirdly op- yeah, yeah. optimistic Especially so that outro that, that yeah. uplifting gorgeous Usually. orchestral outro like that feels very intentional that he himself almost realized like oh god i've created such a an ugly beast here i need to have some light at the end of the tunnel i need to have some sort of optimism and i feel like if that's a if that's a pointer towards where he might go next then i'm absolutely here for it i just hope it doesn't take another five years which it probably will because probably will Um, time hopefully we're all still around um but yeah in the year we're having it's interesting, you know, you've got the, the Grimes album, which arrived quite early doors, uh, Miss Anthropocene, and she's kind of like reveling in an end of times thing. It's like a force of nature, um, which I'm still playing at the moment and it works really well. But this is like the exact opposite take where it's like trying to get through and being challenged in your faith and this kind of very stoic approach. Um, mm. but I actually think it's, it's, it's good to listen to. It's got its kind of claws to me for whatever reason. Um, mm-hmm. so it's actually at this moment in time, an eight for me, um, which wow. is on initial listen, I did not think it would, was going to be. I know you're kind of sticking with it, but as a snapshot score, if you could, if, you could, yeah, if that I, might be unfair, I, I, but I'm, what would I'm you give it? Give it a, I'm going to, in the current moment, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a six. Okay. I think it could. I think it could easily be a seven or an eight, but I, I, I just, I, I, I'd need to see. I, I'm going to need to make the mo- the mark edit where I cut several tracks off it. Fair. <laughs> I just very yeah, fair. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm. I, I feel bad. I feel weird giving it a six because that feels cruel <laughs> and like it feels almost sacrilegious. And he's so lovely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm going to give it a six with the with the promise of a seven uh, as I as I get to know it better. It's the father of the bride way for me. Um, yeah. That sounds grand. Okay, cool. You talked about escapism in other listening. There's been a lot of stuff released in the last week or so. What have you been checking out? Uh, so in terms of like electronica, that's got that sort of escapism and, and that levity to it. I've been listening to the new Sylvan Esso record a lot. It's like, it's a tight 30 minute record. It's <laughs> immaculately produced. I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with Sylvan Esso, the husband and wife duo from Wisconsin, I believe. You're not overly familiar. I like know the name and might've seen like briefly on NPR three years ago. You're not going <laughs> to... Yeah, you definitely see them on NPR, <laughs> yeah. like KEXP. Like yes. they wouldn't, you you know, I think they're pals with like Meryl Garbus of Tune Yards, some of okay. the Bonnie Vare crew, the Mountain Goats. You know, they're very much like 
woodsy, earthy, electronica couple making just really, just fun, banging electronica tunes, gorgeously textured. Uh, that record's been really doing it for me this week. I've also been listening to that Flaming Lips record that you recommended on the podcast. Yeah, what do you think? Amazing. So, Isn't it? So good to see them return to the form of like Yoshimi and Softball on this one. I thought they were, I thought they had just gone too far down the rabbit hole in the last couple of releases, but this one is gorgeous. Um, I love it. It's a real headphones album. I'm really looking forward to getting to know it better. And uh, I've been listening to Kate Tempest as well. Uh, I've been watching a documentary about Shangri-La Studios where Rick Rubin is set up. It's an amazing documentary. It's a Showtime documentary. It's four parts. It's beautifully art directed and it's very surreal. Adam is like waving his finger at me right now. I don't know if that's in agreement. Oh, he's, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> thumbs <digging> up. <laughs> he's digging it. Um, it's beautiful. It's like it's almost like David Lynch directed it. It's like quite surreal and there's a lot of throwback stuff where they recreate Rick Rubin as a child and as a as that younger like more sort of brash arrogant dude that was hanging out with the Beastie Boys when he was like mimicking all of his pro wrestling you know heel. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's amazing. I'm halfway through it. Uh, Kate Tempest features heavily in episode two. She's a real singular talent in terms of like spoken word, British hip hop poetry stuff, kind of reminiscent of early streets, but pushes it a lot further. Um, yeah, that I went went for a run with her earlier on that record. Her last record, which uh, I cannot remember the name of, but we'll dig out. Uh, Anyway, it, it, The Book of Traps and Lessons by Kate Tempest. That's really right. blown me away. What about yourself, Craig? Um, so there was a lot of Sufian. Um, <laughs> I gave Deftones a few spins. Ohms is the record. And uh, it's a good listen. It's kind of like gently heavy. I think they were talking about it being their heaviest record yet, but it's it's more of a vibe, I guess. But yeah, it's proving like a lovely listen, but also slightly impenetrable. So I need to revisit that quite a bit. Uh, Pillow Queens is doing it for me totally this week, uh, just in short bursts. Um, like I was a bit obsessed with Handsome Wife and like to, hit, to maintain that quality across a debut is quite stunning. Mm, and yeah, also great, right? I'm now, I've now decided to get, try and get into like the jazz canon. <laughs> following on from my steely dan my my pathetic steely dan obsession i'm now like so i'm like i'm gonna listen to a few like canon records every couple of weeks where are you gonna start you gonna go kind of blue or i started with well i was aware of like kind of blue and some like coltrane stuff so it's more like digging slightly deeper um so i started with duke ellington right i was like gotta do the duke right but then i realized his career spanned like he was recording stuff in the 20s and I was like, okay, I have to check out the early stuff because I'm a hipster. Yeah. And then it dawned on me that like 20s jazz is just never really going to do it for me. So the one album I will recommend. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it was just recorded a, through a tin can. Oh my God. I was like, what am I doing listening to this like wax cylinder? <laughs> 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 but the album. Music. <laughs> Totally perfect for a lockdown. The one album I will recommend um, having spent a lot of time with it is The Far East Suite, which is like late 60s, so way more respectable. And it's him nice. like being inspired by a tour of, I think, the Near East as opposed to the Far East, um, although he did tour Japan as well. But just there's kind of elements of rock slipping in there and it's very modern sounding. 
It's very smooth sounding. It's great. You just kind of instantly get into it and click with it. So the Fiery Suite is well worth checking out um, for all you wannabe jazz heads. So yeah, check that out. And that's what I've been listening to. Aside from all the deeply, deeply unsexy music that has been running through my head for the past week or so. Thanks to you, Mark. Let's oh, yeah. hit it. Let's get into it. Let's, get Let's down, slip baby. into something a little more comfortable. <laughs> Lower the lights. <laughs> yes. And do the top five. Gonna find my baby, gonna hold her tight, gonna grab some afternoon delight. My motto's always been when it's right, it's right. Why wait until the middle of a cold, dark night? When everything's a little clearer in the light of day. Is always gonna be here anyway. Thinking of he's working up my appetite, looking for and relax. Yeah, after <laughs> afternoon there. delight there, um, which I picked as an intro because it dawned on us, and I think Adam pointed it out um yesterday that there was a, a chance, a small chance, but a chance that there might be some crossover between sexiest and least sexy, depending on our choices. Mark, well, I don't want to put too much pressure on. One, so I'll just show myself the door. <laughs> this felt like a song that kind of works for me, but also is definitely not sexy. It's about sex. What was the criteria you were going for around these songs, which are sexy songs, Mark? I was going, I wanted to kind of touch a few different bases. Um, <laughs> Go initially, on. Initially, <laughs> first, second, third. <laughs> intentional pun there. Um, initially, I was just going to go for like songs that are just objectively sexy. And then I was like, well, actually, I might end up divulging way too much about my <laughs> intimate life here. <laughs> and uh, so I'll, I'll skip that. Um, I, I then went back to like really kind of like formative songs. Like, you know, when you're watching MTV as a kid and there's just like that one video that sort of just awakens your <laughs> sexuality where you're like, I'm feeling things that I have never experienced before and I don't for know, sure I don't even have words for these things and this is like not Pokemon this is something else uh so <laughs> not Pokemon was kind of my criteria uh yeah there's there's a broad scope of stuff there there's like there's the objectively sexy there's the kind of cheeky and then there's the novelty but still hot I would say in fact no there's no novelty in here but some people might my my number five. Will I get into it? My number five is probably one that could Let's be written off as novelty, but it's genius, and here it is. Yeah, that was the legendary Walrus of Love himself, Barry White there, <laughs> with uh, Never Never Gonna Give You Up, uh, not to be confused with Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up, uh, a, a far Never confused song. with it, yeah. Um, never confused. Uh, yeah, June 1973, that song was recorded. Uh, Barry White, There, I, I want to I wanna just shout out Barry here. I feel like Barry White is an artist that does not get enough respect or appreciation in the modern canon of music. Uh, I first discovered Barry White through The Simpsons, of all places, in that iconic 
whacking day episode yeah. where his sultry bass tones managed to lure the snakes away from the town uh, and to safety. Um, I love the sexy slither of a lady snake, I believe was the line that hooked me. Um, <laughs> he's incredible. There's no artist on earth that makes me happier than Barry White. Um, it is I, very joyful music, aside from everything. Yeah, yeah his... He's like, like, let's call a spade a spade here. He's a sex addict, but he delivers it. It's a man with a problem. <laughs> he's a man. His anguish when talking about love is so <laughs> palpable in his recordings. But it's it, it's the, it's the instrumentation and the groove and and just the the, the fidelity of his recordings. I, just, I don't know. It does something to me. I don't have a lot of like stories relating to this song. I don't think I would turn it on. Yeah, sure, dude. In the mood. But. I just love him, and I, I felt like it would be, I'd be doing him a huge disservice to not include him in this top five. So yeah, that's that's Barry. Yeah, I'm kind of like I've probably I was gonna say slept on him. Um, I, yeah, I, like I'm familiar with the hits. Um, I'm aware, obviously, super talented dude, but yeah, he kind of became not really a parody of himself, but other people just had him as this caricature because he kind of invented something. He invented a genre, so then he just mm-hmm. embodies all the kind of the naff aspects of this and he's so kind of recognizable is there yeah. could you recommend like a deep dive is there an album like does he have a what's going on or something that we could the, jump into or do you on, just I, I i don't know i wouldn't i don't know he's a he's a greatest hits artist for sure okay cool i mean cool. This, yeah yeah this, although this Spotify track playlist. i think is the opening track on an album called stone gone and for the first 45 seconds of this track it's a pity we, we have to narrow it down to 30 seconds because for the first 45 seconds it's just it's like really sinister strings and this sound of this hi-hat that's just increasing in kind of like in volume and you're it sort of sounds like it's going to be like a horror film score and then all of a sudden you get that release of just that oh and you're like oh shit oh incredible what's going uh, on i uh, I, mu- yeah. I must confess i've i've um i've gone longer than 30 seconds on some of these just because <laughs> some of the lines you're about to hear and i should say to the listener if you're not listening on headphones Things might get a little raunchy coming up, so just like save yourself like some embarrassment possibly. I'm going to get mm. into unsexiness. I had another level hovering around this spot with Bomb Diggy, um, which talks oh. about wanting to piggyback on a girl. But the less Dane Bowers talk, <laughs> I think the better. So let's go for the, the slightly less malevolent musical force to Canada, the sexiest nation for my number five. Um, oh my god yeah sex by nickelback because of course um there's nothing sexier than spelling as i think will i am has proved over the years as well i was trying to avoid chad kroger and co because um i generally do in my day-to-day life but the sheer like ridiculous amount of attempts they've made at like doing sexy numbers meant they had to feature do you realize the amount of like quote-unquote sexy songs they've done so by, many to choose from. Who is like universally voted the least sexy man in music. Oh my God. Well, he doesn't seem to have gotten the memo. I'll get to that in a second. Um, 
but there was there was a song Figure You Out that opens with I like your pants around your feet and I like the dirt that's on your knees and it does this horrible like crazy girl kind of but she's fun in the sack trope that's horrible and then he takes the weird moral high ground it's like oh well, I see you for what you really are and I, I'm going to leave you but this song is kind of <laughs> clearly he intends for this to be like baby making music and oh it's got more of a strip club vibe to it it does I but feel. like <laughs> it's like just a, so like a texas off-road small town trucker stop strip club oh totally like it feels it feels like the kind of song that like a kind of depressed like married couples headboard might be banging joyous, joylessly <laughs> to this after like their date night at a monster truck rally or something like that but it's just it's not oh, like a kind of <laughs> yeah I think kind of like cheesy rock can work in certain contexts like maybe a you know a pour some sugar on me or something like that if it has something of a, approaching a groove but just all their mm. music is so like mechanical and like lumpen and groove free that it's just uh, mm. it's awful um but yeah I was I was very reading aggressive. some I was reading some of <laughs> it very aggressive it's very aggressive it's like he's shouting orders at you I wasn't going <laughs> Yeah. Like mark it's, the spot with X man. <laughs> it's the same velocity as like he was singing about a hero saving you and all that kind of stuff. Like there's yeah. no like there's One no note. kind of levels. And I wasn't quite sure initially if he was kind of being tongue in cheek. And to answer my question, uh, I, I found an interview, a 2012 interview with Chad. Um, the headline was "Sex Machine Chad Kroger Reigns in Libido for Avril Lavigne." <laughs> so he was. <laughs> He did an interview with Men's Health magazine, right, where he says, um, I don't think my libido has changed. I just think that my Rolodex has been confiscated and I'm okay with that. (laughs) And he went on to reveal that not even his fiancé at the time listens to Nickelback. And he claims this is a relief as he doesn't want her hearing his racy lyrics. He added, (laughs) if a naughty Nickelback song came on, my fiancé would probably ask who it was. She'd be like, who's this? This is good. I like it. <laughs> he wow. says, I'm, I'm terrified that someday she's going to listen to some of the things I'm, I've written and I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have some explaining to do. It's going to be a whole question and answer period following that one. So yeah, there sure is. Wow. <laughs> this is the well, same guy, apparently the same article says that once described himself in a Playboy magazine interview as a walking penis. Oh my God. I actually always felt like Nickelback got an unfair amount of stick. I know. And now, in the last three minutes, I have just <laughs> gone completely the other way on that belief. This dude believe this dude deserves <laughs> everything that he gets and more. Um, speaking of infidelity, or yeah, that's uh, sexy uh, it up a little. Infidelity in songs. This is going to tee up my number four quite nicely. Cool. Uh, Adam, hit that music, please. A lot of, lot of nodding going on. I there. know. A lot of, a lot of like, 
lot of awkward nodding going on in the Zoom. <laughs> and a, la- a real lack of Zoom chat eye contact going on between the three of us. <laughs> Everyone just getting a little bit nervous there to the sultry sounds of Miss Erica Badu. Um, uh, I mean, what can I say? Like, probably the sexiest voice in music. No yeah, way she's incredible. She wasn't going to be included in this top five. Uh, that's from her. That's um, uh, next lifetime from her debut record, Baduism, um, which is just a, a, an incredible front to back piece of, of musical history. Uh, this song is is detailing the kind of experience of, and you might have heard some of it there in the opening. Um, of being sort of of lusting after someone else when you're in a relationship and Badu's kind of stance here is like you know what am I supposed to do when I want you in my world but I'm already someone's girl I guess I'll see you next lifetime so it's like it's this flirtation with the possibility of going after another person but ultimately you know she's a good gal and she's she's sticking to her man Uh, I think the video explores it in really interesting ways as well where she's like time traveling with like Andre 3000 and Pete Rock and a bunch of other like hip hop legends of the time um, going into the future and just like exploring all of these other next lifetimes um, and continually kind of hitting like to be continued on this inevitable encounter with this other person. It's amazing. The The instrumentation is just so smooth, like the drums and the bass, the, the like light as a feather kind of keyboard lick that's just like sort of syncopated, just hopping away in the background um yeah it's just uh, no one no one does it better than erica badu she's uh she's queen yeah she really is and i think that that kind of like the tension of um something not quite happening is like far <laughs> sexier than like it's got a subtlety and sophistication that i think is is lacking she clearly didn't get the chad kroger me- memo of um you know sex is always the answer the answer is always yeah <laughs> yeah Totally. It feels like a much more like female perspective on the on the topic, whereas like more more often than not, guys go straight for the like we're fucking. Whereas like there's actually <laughs> there's actually so much more in that like will they won't they you know between the lines kind of kind of chat. Totally. Um, yeah, that's, well, I, that's I, actually. I will say, don't tar all men with the same brush because we're going to get sensitive right now. We're going from a rough rocker to a sensitive blues lover man. Um, Both white, both vanilla, both lame. This is my number four. Boy, John Mayer there with your body is a wonderland. And yeah, I think that bubblegum reference was... The bubblegum tongue was what did it for all of us, right? It's <laughs> it's just quite skeevy. <laughs> the thing about this song is like, it's... um. I think it's ostensibly an ode to um, like his first girlfriend or his teenage girlfriend. I think there was rumours, as always, with John Mayer that was about various different celebrities, but uh, he said it was about kind of teenage love or whatever. But why then does it feel like he's kind of masturbating to a picture of himself? 
<laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a line of, like early doors where he's like you know discover me discovering you and when I was listening to that I was just thinking there's an amazing um a Prince live performance where Prince is just it's him and acoustic guitar and he's running through his repertoire and he he opens Cream by like jokingly kind of saying actually he's not joking but he's like yeah I wrote this song when I was looking at myself in the mirror and then he launches into Cream and you're like that's the genius of Prince he's so great uh, I feel like John Mayer did the same thing for this song but mm-hmm. he's awful so instead you get like terrible metaphors. It's like very like American, very bland. It's like Katy Perry does a lot of this kind of thing, but which is equally bad, but she's kind like the lyrics are kind of barmy, whereas this is just boring. And you just know he thinks like people are going to get down to this and this might just get me my next girlfriend. And it's so tepid musically. He's like, he's the modern Eric Clapton to me without the racism mm. I think thankfully and he can do all the like emotive tasteful soloing he wants over Frank Ocean songs he's forever lame in my book yeah smug <laughs> as hell as well there's yeah. a certain there's a certain smugness to this that like you know that when he wrote that line your body is a wonderland that he looked at the dude in the control room and just went <laughs> like bro yeah. chicks are gonna cream for this line you know like it's just so bad like com- you're comparing me to a theme park <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, I know. What are you doing? Like, and yeah, totally agree that like he's just like he's just using it as a vehicle to talk about himself, and that's kind of just like sandwiched in there as like, oh shit, I got to say something about you, Wonderland. That's a thing. That's a that's a clever metaphor for the female form. Yeah, bad, 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 bad. I I do not like this dude. Um, one dude that I do like uh, is going to come up on my number three and. Um, Let's talk about it after this clip. So that was an absolute career resurrection for mm. George Michael in 1998. Uh, this, the story behind this song is absolutely amazing because um, I'm sure many listeners will be familiar with it. He was arrested for engaging in a lewd sex act. Um, what I didn't know um, prior to doing a bit of research for this track was um, so he was arrested in a in a public toilet in LA. Uh, it was a sting operation by an undercover cop who basically entrapped him in a men's yeah. bathroom and whipped out the bag as George Michael <laughs> was whipping out something else. Um, it's So this was like 1998, like a, a, a more conservative time. This could have been a career ender for George Michael. He had never publicly confronted his sexuality in the press or in the media. There had been rumours about his sexuality, but he had never actually come out and said it. Um this was, you know, every tabloid jumped on this as like a shocking, shameful disgrace. Um, he took a lot of the audio from newscasts and actually used them as background noise in this song uh, and just managed to turn the whole experience into this incredibly empowering disco banger about al fresco 
riding and it's amazing it's like it's great it's a timeless song it hasn't aged at all it's it's totally just like harking back to like classic disco um the video is absolutely incredible it's really inclusive it's like showing a, a, a myriad of queer scenarios of all sorts and you know everything from like you know elderly women walking hot muscly men around on dog chains and you know like <laughs> two guys creeping into a cubicle but then they take off their clothes and they're actually girls it's it's really it, like everyone gets a feature in it uh, it's an amazing track he looks like he's having the best time ever um probably my introduction to george michael as a as a legitimate like dude like a, a legitimately amazing songwriter and uh yeah i love it i love it I, I i could play this i know i could play this in like any dj set anytime now and and the entire room would go wild it's just so infectious yeah you you kind of said at the top of the segment about like that weird awakening as a kid and i remember when this video came out and just being like what is happening with all these people and this is kind of slightly weird but like people are into it and yeah it kind of blew my mind as a kid totally and he was mad. just he was so talented and so good musically that that kind of thing couldn't end his career because he was just, I feel like even before he was like properly out, he was still pushing maybe society hopefully forward just in the kind of risks he was taking. And just even like biggest would be like, oh, God damn it. He's got some great songs <laughs> and might just think slightly differently about things. So he was breaking he's them barriers, boundaries. Yeah. One, one extra piece of information about this track actually that I didn't know. The arresting officer actually brought a $10 million court case against George Michael for this song as like a defamation case. Uh, the court judge then ruled that uh, the arresting officer as a public official could not legally recover damages for emotional distress. So, yeah, that's another real good. feel-good moment at the end yeah. of an other I thought that sentence was going to end with the, the officer released a diss track to, like, a reply <laughs> song, which would have been amazing, but sadly it's not. It's inside, and it's about putting George Michael in prison. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, yeah, we've now entered the quite lewd section of um, the segment. There was no getting around it, Mark. Uh, oral sex had to feature at some point there's so many Excellent. ridiculous blowjob songs Flowrider's Whistle was very much in contention because um, he just took that weird metaphor to it's like zenith of like having an actually quite wistful whistle as the hook which sounds like <laughs> Young Folk by Peter Bjorn and John try say that I, ten times <laughs> I know right but um this song is the one that actually made me burst out laughing. It was on my unsexy playlist that I put together, right? And on Tuesday evening, I was out for a run. I was stopped at some traffic lights. I was jogging on the spot and I was next to two women who were out for a walk. And this song happened to be on at the time. It dawned on me later when I finished the run, um, took off my headphones, that like the audio spillover from my headphones <laughs> is pretty significant right so they definitely would have heard this nonsense as i jogged on the spot six feet away from them this is what they would have heard so you should bring all your friends i swear that to all of y'all my time Jason Derulo with I think 2017 Swalla 
um, which also features Ty Dolla Sign and Nicki Minaj getting in on the act. And yeah, it's just so like insistent with that swallow thing. Like he's just clearly got oceans of gentleman's fluid, good to go at a moment's notice, <laughs> like a host just drowning everyone in sight. There's no let up. It's just relentless. And the repetition, I think, of like the drank calls, like I immediately thought of like Kendrick swimming pools, which is just like this kind of cautionary tale about drinking too much. And it's quite a dark song and like a really mm-hmm. great song. But this is just like... Uh, just blowjob carnage. <laughs> I do not know what's going on with this song, but it's it's got like ODB's shimmy shimmy like interpolated in there as well, which is amazing. It's he's just so into it. It's ridiculous. He's saying you should bring all your friends over. There's weird again mixed metaphors about him wishing he could taste like different flavors. I don't know what he's putting in his mouth. It's a mess. It's a glorious, glorious mess. Wow, wow. Yeah, when is this from? What what year was this? 2017. Jesus. And it was That's a far huge hit. For a tune like this. I know. Um, yeah, I think like rule number one in a sexy song needs to be <laughs> like just... He said that with such confidence. Like, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm brainstorming here. Like, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Go but for like, it, Mark. It has to be like not what you are... Uh, not what you are taking, but what you are giving, right? So, like, any song yes. that's just, like, take it, you know, swa-la-la-la, that's just, like, <laughs> immediately unsexy. It's about, like, I want to know what Flo Rida is willing to to give rather than take, you know? Well, it, like, um, Nikki's, Nikki's verse on this song, like, she's ki- kind of got a bit of a protest verse. <laughs> like, she immediately starts by saying, bad girls won't swallow anything. And then she quotes the Dalai Lama, I think, um, and then she starts talking about uh, LeBron's nuts and completely kills Smooth at that point even further. Um, Ty Dolestein <laughs> seems totally up for it. LeBron's like, nuts yeah. verse. This um, actually is quite similar to that. Like, this reminds me of that Run the Jewels track, uh, All Day. Is it, is it called oh, All Day? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. However, I feel like they kind of did it right. Especially that twist that comes in at the end with the, with the, with the, like the female verse. Um, this is like that song done horrendously. Yeah. I feel. Yeah. Good shout. Um, a song that was not done horrendously, however, was, uh, I'm going to take you back to November, 2003. Okay. It was a freezing cold time for all of us in North Wicklow, <laughs> where I was growing up. <laughs> however, on the, on the hot <laughs> pool sides of Barcelona, things were only getting hotter and hotter. that track there where Craig held a pen to his face and it looked like he was smoking a cigar <laughs> to that track. Oh my god. Which I thought was amazing. Of Quite course, the roller coaster. Another like awkward avoiding eye contact moment there. That was uh, Kylie Minogue with Slow from 2003. Uh, a song that she has called one of her all-time favourites if not her uh, quintessential all-time favourite. Uh, this was this was one of those like getting home from school like being depressed, like being fed up, turning on MTV and being met with a video of this song and that just being like 
an awakening is all I can describe it as. Um, do you guys remember the video for this song? It was like... It, there was many bodies moving all at once, right? Was it like an yeah. aerial shot of... Yeah, yeah, got it. A lot of very hot, tanned Spanish bodies sitting yes. by a poolside. Very, like, you know, toned and muscular. Kylie Minogue as the sort of, like, pale Aussie princess at the centre of it all. Camera's kind of like... It's like almost like early drone cam type stuff. It's sort of just panning out. There's amazing choreographed dance happening. It's like a million degrees. Uh, it's a very sexy song. I, I was reacquainted with it a couple of years ago when my friends and I went on a holiday to Dingle in the middle of winter. And we were staying in an Airbnb and we were all like very drunk. You know, it's like three in the morning. Uh, one of my mates put this on. We all immediately took to the floor to try and reenact the the, the slow dance. <laughs> Did you pull um, it off? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was uh no, I, I don't think we pulled it off. But uh it was it was the moment when I was sort of reacquainted with this song and that I realized just what an absolute masterpiece it is. It's it's so good, it's so clubby, it's got this real minimal electronica yeah. kind of like almost sort of like German cold craft worky beat running through it. Um, it's very sexy it's yeah it brings back con- not confusing memories uh, fond memories <laughs> and that's all I have to say on that yeah it, it you know it's that robotic kind of beat and it's like yeah it's an exercise kind of in restraint which is why it works um, Kylie's mm-hmm. so good at those kind of songs and yeah as we'll see with my next pick I think the whole thing a lot of it comes back to as you say, I think men need to show that they're givers for the songs to be in any way sexy. Um, just men inherently trying to be sexy is the least sexy thing. I think Kylie can get away with it. This guy cannot. I really like you, girl. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> so that God, was Craig. that was Boys um, B Y Z. People are rushing to Spotify him. He's a Swedish artist. Um, yeah, so far we've had familiar names, so I'm honoured to probably introduce people to this very enthused dude um, who's been <laughs> more than welcome. <laughs> and that's a clip I, I had to go along with. I'm sorry. Um, it's incredible. It seems like it was quite a well-known song in Sweden. There's a lot of YouTube comments where people are like, <laughs> I took down some of them. Oh my God, I remember listening to this song when I was like 12. <laughs> what? <laughs> Last time I heard this, I was a virgin. Expressionless face. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So was it the song that took it from you? Oh, God. I feel like this song has taken something from me. Um, and now all of you. And yeah, it's that yeah. thing. Like, it strikes me as, you know, Swedish women 
can be quite sexy, I guess. Swedish men, seldom sexy. Reminds me of like that Euro trash thing where you'd watch it like as a kid, just late at night and like there'd be some quite odd, awkward European guys in the background that were just mm-hmm. a bit like into crazy stuff. I think that is this guy. Um, it's about it's about <laughs> as subtle as a bag of grenades as well. There's like, like not even metaphor in there. And it's the kind of broken English, which I was surprised by. Like there's like, yes, I want to do... And there's just, it's so awkward. It's, Ouch. it's incredible. It's incredible. I like, will leave it there. <laughs> this has shut me down, Craig. I, I, I'm, <laughs> Sorry. I'm at a loss for I've broken your track. spirit. Let's try and get things back on track. Uh, speaking of awkward European men, this next track is coming from a group of straight white European men who have somehow managed to avoid all of the pitfalls that so many of their forefathers have fallen down. Uh, This is a song from 2000. um, And uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, from a film soundtrack. It's incredibly sexy. Adam, bring it in. Yeah, so Craig, you mentioned uh, you mentioned me being partial to saxophone there <laughs> in the intro. This is more evidence of that. Uh, this is Air from uh, Air with Playground Love from the Virgin Suicide soundtrack in two thousand, the Sofia Coppola film. Um, funny, interesting fact on this one: uh, it's always featured a singer called Gordon Trax when it's listed on you know when it's listed on Spotify or when it's listed online. Yeah. It turns out Gordon Trax is actually the singer from Phoenix using a pseudonym. So this no way. Is, um, yeah. Thomas Mars. Wow. Thomas Mars from Phoenix singing on this track, which I never knew. And, and, okay. uh, Penny has dropped. Yeah, so yeah. good. Totally makes sense when you hear it as well. Um, he's in he's in top sensual form on this one. Yeah. Um, Frenching it up. <laughs> Frank, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, man. It could have been like... For me, as soon as I chose this theme, air air was always going to be number one. For me, they're just like the unparalleled kings of like sexy French electronica. Um, it could have been, you know, it could have been a number of tracks off Moon Safari. It could have been, um, it could have been a couple of hits off Talkie Walkie. In the end, I ended up going for this because it just feels like it just encapsulates everything that they do so well. Yeah. Um, it was introduced to me this was like my first relationship type track where it's like you're a dork walking around listening to like punk and metal and then you get this cool girlfriend who just <laughs> puts does the Natalie Portman Garden State moment puts the headphones on you and just shows you that there is a subtler more refined world beyond your uh, your six string bass guitars nice. so yeah, this this that was the beginning of a long and beautiful journey with me with Air. Um, they're one of my all time favorite bands. I, I was lucky enough to see them at Primavera a couple of years ago and Beatyard in Dunleary of all places, which was exceptional. Um, yeah, I don't know. Are you familiar with this song? I am. Yeah, I adore Air, and it's an amazing shout. It's great because I think the thing with Air's music is. The sexiness is in like the focus of the music and making like something that has that 
visceral impact musically as opposed to thematically or just doing something that's a bit naff. It just oozes that from like the get-go, from the instrumental. Mm-hmm. It's very frank, yeah, it's very beautiful. Cool. Yeah, very airy, very light, um, applicable for lots of different situations. A tremendous number one. And I now feel you, really Greg. badly... <laughs> That you went first and we're going to end with my unsexiness. So, okay, my number one. Um, So, like, the thing with Boys, the last track, was at least he had, like, a female on vocals and it was a bit of a duet and she was, like, asking the question um, and, like, he was enthused and there was potential maybe for a healthy relationship there, right? But my number one is all about... um, yeah, number one. Well, not like that. Well, kind of. It's an ode to Onanism <laughs> Kelly. from a boy band. No, or Kelly does not feature. We're not getting problematic. Uh, this is a song about a morphorotic dream from a magazine. Comes to me and gives me all the love I need. Now this hot girl, she's not your average girl. She's a morphorotic dream from a That's a jam. <laughs> it's a bit of a jam. It is. Is it sexy, Mark? It is. Um, Liquid Dreams by O Town. The um, <laughs> the first band to come out of making the band, um, which was like Lou Perlman, the awful manager of uh, I think Backstreet Boys and yeah. NSYNC, was like, okay, we're going to get an MTV reality show going. Uh, they put together O Town, and. <laughs> This was like their big hit. This was their first single. It hit number one on the Billboard charts. They struggled thereafter. Um, Mm. Yeah, the thing about this is it's clearly doing that kind of late 90s, early uh, 2000s boy band thing of like watering down R&B and being very listenable. And there's a tune there for sure. And it's got Max Martin all over it, as um, Adam said in the chat. But it's, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a song about a teenager, I hope, or maybe these guys in their bedrooms by themselves concocting a Frankenstein's monster of a woman <laughs> that they can whack off to. And oh, wow. It's, it's sung with such passion as well, right? So maybe listen to this clip um, for like the climactic selling of the end of the course. He's just bringing it all. Selma Hayek brings the rest. It's so... I can't, I can't make out what he's saying. I just think the groove is unstoppable. The, the groove works, but when when you realise he's like... Okay, so the whole point of the song is that he's not just imagining, say, Angelina Jolie or Selma Hayek. What yeah, he needs he's... to get off <laughs> is a little bit of each of these people, right? He needs to he's bring it all together. <laughs> He's taking his posters off the wall and he's making yeah. a collage. He's making like a 12 foot tall robot woman from bits of anatomy <laughs> of everyone. And, like, you know, I respect the creativity of that, Craig. Well, well hold on now, because there's a twist, of course, right? Oh, there's shit, there's okay. actually a moral to this story. And um, O-Town are sticking to their guns. Um, 
and they're revealing that actually this imaginary lady also has great personality. Here's the clip for that. Oh my god, wow. I love it. So like you can imagine how many writers there were on this song. And at, at some points they were like we need like uh, we need a, a middle eight where it's revealed mm. that actually we need to acknowledge somehow that women should maybe be somewhat sentient. And she's got a great personality. Um, yeah. like Halle B because people like look at Halle Berry and go well at least she's got a great personality like what a choice yeah and then go straight into my mama thinks I'm lazy which just seems like the most unrelated <laughs> because he's in his room constantly and his friends think ah, he's crazy right. because he's clearly telling them all about this Frankenstein's monster of a yeah, yeah, of yeah. A, yeah. yeah you have to come around it's like Lars and the real girl but you know for a man with no money the thing about this wow. is, right, the, the thing that makes this really weird for me is, well, everything, first of all, but who was this for? Like, I know it was a number one, right? But if they're mm-hmm. like a constructed Everyone. boy band, right? <laughs> it was you'd, number you'd, one, Craig. You'd, what you'd, more do you need? You'd think their audience would be kind of like teenage girls, right? Or like preteens at the time. Like they're a new boy band. Yeah, the most of yeah. those like NSYNC Backstreet Boys songs are kind of like... You know, there's always like use in the lyrics and it's like them talking about girls that they want to get with or like maybe they're struggling in the relationship and you can imagine that their audience can then put themselves into the role of that song. But with yeah. this, it's like, is this like a shout out to all the bros? Like, are they trying to lure like the Limp Bizkit fans over? I don't know what's happening, uh, but I it works. I think, again, I'll say like the beat and the production is stunning. I reckon it's one of those songs where people aren't really listening to the lyrics and it just like makes you move in a way that's so infectious. That Max Martin production is, as Adam has called out in the chat. Like, it's also doing that name drop thing. It's that like easy formula of like, it's that moves like Jagger thing where if you just throw celebrities' names into a track, it will hit. You know, we've got Janet Jackson, (laughs) Halle Berry... Was it Salma Hayek in there as well? Salma Hayek's there. Um, they they yeah. mentioned Cindy's beauty mark. Uh, Tyra's the best, who, of course. Who's, who's beauty mark? <laughs> I think Vin- Cindy Crawford. Cindy must be. <laughs> I thought you said. I thought you said Vin D. Vin D's beauty mark. And I was like, <laughs> wow, Vin D still gets a shout. <laughs> He's just beautiful all over. There isn't one mark. <laughs> I just want to take his beauty mark and. But also Salma Hayek's forehead. <laughs> They they don't they don't mention who the Jennifer is and that line is just throw in a body like Jennifer's just the whole body just like throw that in there whoever she is body I guess Lopez maybe yeah another body Jennifer's on the pile body, no doubt no doubt maybe maybe it did body, so hold on okay the culmination okay. of this segment on this show is that you find this to be a deeply deeply sexy song is that what you're saying I wouldn't say sexy no I would not say a sexy song I do find. I, I, I am going to go and listen to it immediately after this episode. I find that production irresistible. It actually reminded me of Rubber Bandits at one moment. There's like, there's a bit where he's kind of like, hot girl. And it reminded me, I wonder, did they reference it when they were doing, they had that amazing song, I Need a Black Man in My Crew. And they were like listing <laughs> all the people that are, they were like listing all the people, like all the tropes that are already in their crew. And there's an amazing line where, where Blind Boy goes, I've got the, the hot blonde with plastic boobs. And it just felt like that was like a direct link to, to that track. Maybe not. I don't know. Wow. Don't Blind Boy. Um, 
but yeah i don't know i thought I, that was a great way to finish this out i it was a nice sugar yeah. hit. it was i am spent i think i need yeah. a cold shower let's wrap this up <laughs> Mark, thank you very much for joining me on this odyssey, this sexy odyssey that you brought oh, to us. Craig, it's been a liquid dream. <laughs> Mark O'Brien, <laughs> check out his stuff uh, as Royal Yellow. Get that final, the enemy's final. We're all hyped for it. And come back soon, Mark. Nice one, Craig. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thanks, Emil. And for next week, we will have David back. Um, I will also be there. I believe we're talking Roisin Murphy. There will be, of course, another top five. And... There's nothing left for me to do but say this has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. My name is Craig Fitzpatrick. Um, Stay sexy, stay unsexy, stay safe. Love you. Bye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of A Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's A Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central only on PBS. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.